Aloha, and welcome to another Candid Conversation. Our guest this afternoon is Bruce Baker, and we're going to broach the subject of his most recent blog, which relates to the challenging the just-in-time, total quality, lean manufacturing theories. A little controversial, but I think very timely. Bruce, good to see you this afternoon. Yeah, likewise, Ron. Thanks for having me back. So what the heck are you trying to do with us? That lean is no longer valid. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So um, I'm a big proponent of lean and its, its methodologies, uh, its practices, and man, what, what great benefits you can get from going lean over a period of time. My focus and really the point I'm trying to make there is the very reason for lean being successful, regardless of company, uh, industry, you know, professional, even personal life, is that lean requires uh, each piece, so to say, or link in the chain uh, to be correctly done. Link, the lean at least also asks and insists in many respects that uh, people that are part of a chain of events that occurs from one part of the organization to another, respect each other, not in terms of you know being disrespectful, but respect each other in terms of one being the quote-unquote supplier and the other one being the customer. So everybody needs to understand what everybody puts in and what each and every person needs in terms of supporting them to do a good job. Now, the problem we face today, which was I mentioned in a previous blog that I had done, was we can and will have gotten to a situation or a period, I guess, in our in our society where everything is becoming reactional. Everything is very short term, and the crisis that was once perceived, whatever that crisis may be, is so profoundly amplified today because. We've just got to get it done now. We've got to just get it sorted out now. And the more we react to situations, the more quote-unquote band-aids we put on problems, the less inclined we are uh, to actually solve the problem that in many cases serves as the foundation for the next step to be taken and taken successfully. So the premise of the blog was say that as much as many of us that know lean love lean, um, lean is not going to happen until our behavior changes, meaning that if one link in the chain is compromised, no matter how strong the chain may be or may look, the chain, the entire chain is compromised. So we've got to start thinking and understanding that each piece is just as critical as the entire chain is critical. That's nicely put and really appropriate. One of the things that you might have seen (laughs) in blogs that I've been writing and that some of the podcasts is we've got too many people working in the business and not enough people working on the business. Right. And... The status quo seems to be something that we want to protect. Yeah. And, and the premise 
I'll, I'll expose myself a little bit here in, in my university education. Industrial engineering is one of the subject matters, one of the tracks that I followed, and that's the root behind Deming and Duran's continuous quality movement or total quality right. initiatives. And what you've got to do is document the process, yeah. identify where the bottlenecks are, identify where you need additional elements, either labor or information or document or system or what have you. And the way that you've explained your blog relative to lean and it being challenged is we've lost sight of that. We're not identifying the process anymore. We're just continuing the process, good, bad, or indifferent. Right. And that's wrong. Yes. So that, I think that puts a nice bow around the point you were trying to make on, on, Lean is no longer applicable because we've strayed. Right. Right. It, so how do we admit, how do we address this? Well, it, it's the timing couldn't be perfect because uh, more perfect than what it is today. I just uh, finished one of my my sessions with um, a client that I work with, and the the business has been struggling to create efficiencies to not only just define and identify systems, but also implementing those systems. And it's been a while coming, but we finally got to the point where, um, you know, after a long and quite a bit of work uh, was done in terms of how people in the team, be it the management level or individual contributor level, were actually or have been responding to problems or have been responding. Responding to uh, challenge, you know, the comment was made is that if we want lean to achieve or us to become a lean culture, we've got to change the fundamental way we respond to crisis or challenge or whatever problem may come our way in terms of, you know, managing or even eliminating obstacles or constraints. And there was quite a long uh, delay or at least pause with people thinking, well, how are we responding today that is going to prevent us from implementing a culture of lead in our business and ultimately achieving what we need to achieve? And long story short, it ended up being, well, if I respond at you know a level 10 and really the appropriate response required no more than about a five, um, what I'm naturally doing is I'm fearing the consequence I've made up in my mind, and I need to fix this now. And if I need to fix this now, I'm not going to fix it properly. I'm not going to spend the time I need to make sure that the foundation is, is, is ready to go. And all that I'm doing is creating a weak solution to ultimately fix up the rest of the problem that's occurring. So it really starts with how we respond to a challenge and as such, deal with it, resolve it, and not necessarily come back to it again, which is really all about lean and, and of course, the, the famous saying, Kaizen. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it 
it's interesting because that all relates back to the same thing. Yeah. I believe in almost every aspect of society, we are understaffed. Right. So the, the crush that a problem creates has to be dealt with right now so that we get past the problem, we get the customer back on track or the situation back on track. Yeah. With the thought in our mind, we'll come back to that. We'll circle back and we'll fix it so it doesn't happen again. Because fundamentally, that's what we want to be able to create, a circumstance and a situation where you're going to have problems. Yeah. But you're going to have them once. And they will not be repeated because we will have adapted triage. We will have modified. We will have adjusted. We will have corrected things. Right. But today, we don't have time because we've got so many of these events, one after the other. We don't seem to have enough staff so that we can circle back to fix it so it is not repeated. And that cycle never ends. Yeah, it's it's you know it's so true what you're saying. I completely agree. The one thing that I've also you know come to see far more is you know, I, and again, I wrote a blog on this a couple of months ago on the whole learned helpless uh, yep. uh, phenomenon yep. that we yeah. And even when I find when people get into a more you know whatever that may mean normal state. They tend to continue with the same response. They've programmed themselves to get to a point where no matter how much assistance, buffer, whatever you want to call it, they put in place, um, they still seem to respond or react the same way. So getting out of that habit of getting out of that, convincing yourself, it's actually irrationally that the way I'm responding is is the same way I, I responded before. I got the help. I fixed things up. That in itself is a tough thing to come to terms with and stop responding the way that you've been programmed to respond based on that shortage or that 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 feeling of scarcity, which leads to the inevitable consequences, whatever that may be. And it almost becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy because it makes us feel good. You bet. Like dopamine. We fixed that problem, boy, I'm good. And that's why you keep me. So I don't want to solve the problem. It's the the characterization. Matt Framer and I talk about this in the digital dealership where we use the illustration of a fireman. About 5% of the time of a fireman's shift is spent putting out fires, working in the business. And 95% is trying to avoid fires from being created in the first place or working on the business. Yep. We do just the reverse. Yes. Yes. And psychologically, that's going to be, you know, it's it, it, this, this is an assumption on my part, and I think it's reasonably solid, but it isn't anything I can scientifically prove. Most of the headcount metrics, or what is lovingly called productivity measures, yeah. were created in the ni- early 1980s, 1979, 80, 81, 82. And that's when 
and I think you're old enough, but maybe not, to remember that's when interest rates went as high as 22%. Yeah. That's when inflation was 13, 14, 15%. And what businesses did in order to survive, they had this interest payment they had to meet. And the only variable expense they had was headcount, so they got rid of people. And when the interest rates went down, they decided, well, I, I, I'm not sure this is going to last, so I'm going to keep the headcount the way it is at the reduced level. And we haven't come out of that. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Yeah. But it's, it, it, it's fascinating because that essentially becomes like a, an institutionalized memory. And as we know, memories be, are, are quite different as we move along in life, you know, and leave and, and go farther away from the, the initial event or the original event. So it becomes more and more amplified and people respond accordingly. Right. Our leaders and companies respond accordingly. Yeah, I have real battles, as you probably might have remembered, getting yeah. executives to allow me to add people. Right. And it, um, you know, an, an illustration I, I use is, you know, I, I, we've got to be disciplined. We've got to change habits. And I got to lose weight. So I got to go on a diet. And somebody says, no, no, I, I, I like how I eat. I like what I eat. I'm not going to do that. Why don't you just amputate my left leg? And that happens. And he goes back and he says, look, Ma, I, I, I met my new, new number. Um, you know, yeah. I, I've yeah. lost all that weight. <laughs> but you can't get around anymore. And that's essentially the same thing that we're doing by by being in this problem-solving mode, which we've been forced into because we don't have enough time to do things right. And that's in itself something that drives me crazy. Imagine not being able to exhibit your skills and talents to the best of your abilities because you don't have enough time to do anything right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, it's quite mind, mind-blowing. That's something that requires, you know, put put some time to that, Bruce. You've, you've got a good mind and good experience with a lot of different people. I'm going to ask this of everybody that does blogs with us and everybody that does podcasts with us. There's got to be a path that we can find or at least talk about so that we expose different options to people that they can think about themselves. If we continue to do what we are doing now, it's not just Einstein, you're gonna end up getting the same results, but we don't have that much, we don't have that much reserve anymore. In 1980, actually 1970, the market share in parts to 2020 has dropped by 50%, similarly labor by 50%. We don't have that luxury for very much longer. So we've got to get to the point of fixing this or our customers are going to find people that will solve their problems without there being problems elsewhere. Right. That's, that's a, a big burden I'm, I'm putting out there. Yeah. 
no, absolutely. It's um, it, it was it was quite the conversation I had about three weeks ago with a client where <clears throat> something similar, and you know, she got quite quite flustered and quite hot under the collar, uh, and saying, you know, what the heck am I supposed to do? Uh, I got to do this. I got to do that. Just put that in on my 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 mound of problems that I'll deal with when I get the opportunity to deal with them. And of course, we know what happens then. But it got to a point where she, like many other business owners, leaders, whatever we want to refer to them as, have got to get to a point where <clears throat> the the interpretation of, of of what those consequences are needs to change. Um, the interpretation of those of, of those consequences are right now are so dire um, that people are paralyzed. People move, can't move. They're, they're in, again, I'm, I'm using the word or term interpretation loosely, but the interpretation of the time that they have or the time we have to solve the problem has also been skewed because you know, if, if I could get it done in our historically and get it done well, why is an hour no longer enough for the same problem that I have? And many will come, and this conversation was no different with this lady, many will come and say, well, my problems aren't the same. And when I challenge and I respond by saying, show me why the problem is not the same. And like clockwork, and it happens over and over again, the response is, well, I guess the problem isn't exactly that different. There are a few nuances that are different, but the problem in itself is not that different. Um, why am I thinking or why am I seeing this as so much a bigger problem than what it has to be? And I find that, Ron, I find that having that experience at least seven to eight out of ten times when dealing with the emotional components that are preventing people from doing exactly what you just what you just expressed. So it, it, it is a tough thing to get through, but having giving yourself the space, a little bit of more space to actually sit down and really think about that is makes a world of difference and allows that momentum to move forward a little bit faster. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's um in classes for service managers, particularly, yeah. I tell them they're enabling bad behavior. And of course, that they don't like that. They back up. They think I'm insulting them. I said, no. Well, what happens? You got people come to your door and they ask you a question. You give them an answer, right? Yeah, of course. They ask the question. I got to answer the question. You're enabling bad behavior. Well, what do you mean? Don't answer the question. They're being lazy. Tell them to bring with them a solution, what they think the answer is. If it's not the right answer, then engage with them and walk through it and use it as a teaching moment. But 99 times out of 100, they've got the right answer. They just are in an environment where they don't want to make a mistake. Perhaps right. because your style will kill them. Perhaps that will affect their ego. We don't know what it is, but... Everybody has to stand up on their own. And it is psychological. It is in our heads. We're comfortable doing what we do now. Don't change that. 
That's right. not the answer, is it? Not, not in the least. Not in the least. And, and again, to, to, to go further with the, the, you know, the word you use, comfortable. People, people are comfortable because it works, and there's no need to do anything else. And if you ask me to uh, move away from what I've been doing all these years at work, Typically, people would say, "Well, why am I why am I fixing something that's not broken?" Well, there is no need to fix something that's not broken unless you can get more out of it or you can get greater reward from it. Being able to express that to people and show them what they get at the end of the day, more of, um, is the task of any leader. And anybody that wants to influence other people's behavior more more positively. So if if in this case enabling people's bad behavior or unproductive behavior is not going to provide them with a reward or short term reward, then of course we've got to do some work to to sell the long term reward or the longer term reward. But that again is something that is risky for many because I want the reward now, which again circles right back to the point I made in the beginning where we have a dynamic right now in our society that insists on immediate gratification and immediate reward, which creates that, let's call it band-aid solution to whatever we need to do and whatever we need to achieve. And with the pandemic, yeah, giving people a change methodology of working working from home for example right many people have reevaluated their situation in life yeah and that's many of them are saying well gee i don't want to go back to that quote quote rat race it's a trap there's no way out of this absolutely and it's it's um yeah it's an intriguing conundrum bruce very much, very much. So I, thank I, you for, for poking that out in your blog about, you know, leans over, it's dead. It's not, it's, it's, a, it's a provocation. Yeah. Good work. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you. Well, I think we've, we've satisfied that particular um, conundrum. I, I, responded to you saying, boy, you're opening a can of worms, but I think you, <laughs> I think you emptied the can and, and closed it back up again. So that, that, that's good. Have you got any comments you want to make in closing so that we can get you on yeah. to your next appointment? Absolutely. You know, it, it's, again, I'll echo what I said to a CEO today was, you know, we talk about the leap of faith um, and, Many would say, well, you know, there's certain amounts of leaps of faith that I'm going to do in my business because I want to obviously mitigate risk as much as possible. And my response to him was, I'm not necessarily talking about a leap of faith for your business because your business has got it handled and your business will do just fine, including your leadership team. I'm talking about a leap of faith for you. And to all those business owners, leaders out there, the only thing that's stopping you from achieving what needs to be achieved is you. So trust yourself. Take that leap of faith. You'll be absolutely fine. I can promise you that. 
And that's a really appropriate way to close this. Desmond Tutu had a, a famous saying. He was the archbishop in South Africa, a black man at the time of Nelson Mandela's imprisonment and also his release. But he's famous for saying, if it is to be, it is up to me. And that's exactly what you told that CEO. It, it, if we're going to change the tone, if we're going to change the style, the culture, the methodology, whatever terminology you want to use, it has to start with the leader. 100%. Bruce, as usual, it's been wonderful. Let me, let me close this off and, and thank you very much and thank the people that have been listening. And I look forward to uh, having our next candid conversation in the near future. Thanks for having me, Aloha, Bruce, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your support. Should you have any thoughts or comments, please don't hesitate to contact us at www.learningwithoutscars.com. The time is now. Mahalo.